it. Say it with me. Jesus has something good for me today. Yes, the Lord has something good for you today. So we're talking about uh, a little bit about Rosh Hashanah today, but more importantly, trying to prepare ourselves for what I believe God's going to shift. I feel like for the last few months, the Lord's been dealing with me about New Year's. And I've been like, New Year's? It's like in January. What are we talking about New Year's? And then the Lord... <laughs> What's that? Slow down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Slow down. Slow your roll. And I was like, this New Year's is in January. And I felt like God was showing me not, well, there's a Rosh Hashanah coming up in September. And I was like, oh, and I felt like God was dealing with me that like, look, Kevin, I don't work off a Gregorian timetable. We run off of a Roman calendar. Jesus has his own calendar. I don't know if you're aware of it. It's completely obscure to us. We don't understand it at all, but uh, at least most people don't. I don't think the Jews half the time understand it themselves either. But nonetheless, it's a, it's a calendar that has two New Year's in it. There's a spiritual New Year that gives, that's given to them at, 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 and us. You can, you can activate this. It's yours. Spiritual renewal happens at Passover, and a governmental shift happens at Rosh Hashanah. And so what is government? Government will be arcing rule over your life. And I believe that God is pointing at us this year, and I believe he's pointing into your life this year, that God will shift things over your life this year. That the things that have dominated you, the things that have controlled you, even the kind of the atmospheres that have been over your life are going to change. They're going to change. Do you believe that? This stuff, okay, so kingdom stuff doesn't happen by default. You have to participate. The promise is there, the, 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 it's there, the kingdom is there, but you have to step into it. You have to pull from it, right? You have to partner with it, align with it. And so there's this um, uh, Rosh Hashanah begins uh, tomorrow and it's the, it's the new year. It's the governmental new year. And I feel like the rulership of your life is going to shift this year. And all those who believe it said, amen. amen. Leviticus 23, just to give you an understanding of what this is, right? They go, oh, this is the, those are the feasts of Israel. Read your Bible. It doesn't say they're the feasts of Israel. Leviticus 23 says, these are the feasts of the Lord. They're not the feasts of Israel. The Lord says, these are my feasts. They belong to me. They're feasts. They're holy convocations, and you shall proclaim them at their appointed times. The word feast is the Hebrew word moed, and it means appointment. God has set an appointment upon the calendar of his people. And on that appointment, he desires to meet with them and do something extraordinary on that, at that time. Right? So these feasts are intended to be fulfilled. They are not just gatherings in the natural and sort of a spiritual interaction within the timeline of the calendar. They are actually prophetic moments that create change in the, in the timetable of God. So you have Passover, unleavened bread, feast of first fruits and Pentecost. Those are the first four. The last three are Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur and the Feast of Tabernacles. The first four feasts have been fulfilled. There are three feasts that have yet to be fulfilled. Jesus was crucified on Passover, right? Passover and unleavened bread begin the same day. Unleavened bread runs for seven days and it, mean, it just basically means sinless. So Christ was crucified and it was declared that sinlessness was complete. Seven days of no yeast, no sin. The sacrifice of Christ brought completeness. So that's the unleavened bread. He was raised from the dead on the very day of first fruits. Is that a coincidence? That's not a coincidence. Crucified on Passover, fulfilling unleavened bread, and rose on the third day, right? Or the, which is exactly three days after Passover is unleavened bread. The Bible says he's the firstborn, the first fruits 
of the resurrection from the dead. He fulfilled it. Right? And on day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost, any Pentecostals in the room, any spirit-filled believers, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, what happened? The Holy Spirit came, right? fulfilling the feast of Pentecost. Right? So God has fulfilled the four, uh, four parts of this timeline. The three that remain are Shofar, Rosh Hashanah, with Yom Kippur, and uh, Feast of Tabernacles. And that's for a different time, but I just wanted to give you an overview of that. Another feast that's important to the Lord is the weekly gathering. Do you know this is considered a weekly gathering? That Jesus, that Jesus says, I have an appointment with you, and that God, you should come expecting, because every time we meet with the Lord, he wants to do something. This isn't just some religious thing that we come and go with, right? This isn't just something that we do. When we come before the Lord, you should come expecting. Expecting to give to him and to honor him. That's one part of it, sure. But God has something for you in this moment. He has something for you in the assembly. The assembly matters to the Lord. It matters to him. It's actually one of the convocations. Before he even gets into the feast, he calls it Sabbath, right? The Sabbath is one of them. I'm not going to get into any kind of teaching on the Sabbath, but it's basically, if you want to put it in New Testament context, it's a day that's set aside when God's people come together and assemble before him to honor him. What day is that? In the New Testament, it doesn't matter. Every day is under the Lord. Paul said there's no specified day. We do it by tradition or by, by faith because Christ rose on Sunday. That's why we're on Sunday. That's why the early church chose to gather on the Lord's day. They chose to. They could have gathered on Tuesday if they want to. They could have gathered on Friday if they wanted to, but they chose that this is the day. We want to make this day the memorial to honor him. So that's why we gather on Sundays, in case any of you ever wondered that. You're like, what? I didn't know that. Yeah. And it matters. It matters. So God expects to do something. So there are appointments. God says it's an appointment, Moed. And he said it's a convocation. There's an action. Every feast had an action involved. Right? They were to do something within that feast. Every feast. So in the Passover, they had to go through a rehearsal where they ate the Passover lamb. They did, they did the story, the telling, the Haggadah, unleavened bread. They didn't eat bread. They didn't eat yeast for a week. First fruits, they were to present the barley harvest, they were to, and they were to eat things filled with barley at, uh, uh, excuse me, Pentecost. There was a lot of stuff with um, honey, and there was a lot of stuff with dairy, and there was a lot of different things that were involved. There was parties at each one of these things, and there were actions in, in, in relationship to them. So they were a rehearsal. And so God is saying, like, these things are appointments for, the, for me, and there's something that you're supposed to participate in. That's why we love participation. So if you don't think that God wants you to participate in church, just see the word mikra, which means rehearsal. He said, do something. Enjoy yourself. Have a good time. Lift your hands. Bow your head. Pray. Spin. Dance. Sing. Jump. Shout. Pray. Do something. Right? We're not, hum, hum, you know. It, God intends us to interact on his day. He wants interaction with one another, and he wants interaction with him. Jesus doesn't operate by the earthly calendar. Rosh Hashanah is the new year. It's the kingdom calendar that God gave Moses. He gave him a calendar and he said, you shall do these things. And he says, you'll have a new year here and you'll have a new year here. And like, what? We have two new years. Yes. One is for the spiritual and one is for the governmental. It's powerful. And God said, I will do something significantly spiritually in your life if you believe me. He will. I will do something governmentally over your life. I will make an appointment with you and I will do something with you in that moment. God will do something for you throughout the year. But God's saying, if you'll believe me in that moment, I will shift it. 
I will shift it. Well, I don't know. God doesn't do it by default, Christian. You have to participate. You believe, I believe God for spiritual upgrades almost every Passover. I'm like, I want upgrades. I want upgrades. It's the spiritual time where God is imparting an upgrade. I want it. I haven't practiced too much with Rosh Hashanah. And so I feel like the Holy Spirit's giving me a couple of high karates and telling me you're missing out. You're missing out. Believe that I'm going to shift the atmosphere over your life. Believe I'm going to shift the dominion over your life. Believe I'm going to upgrade your spiritual dominion. Believe I'm going to I'm going to upgrade everything that has been ruling and reigning you. I'm going to cast out what is old. I'm going to bring in what is new. I'm going to change everything. Do you have the faith for it? That's the question. That's the question. That's the question. We, we, we have this thing in the church that everything God does, he does. It's well, it's just the sovereign act of God. Who told you that? That is not gospel. That is not kingdom. Even here we see they were required to participate. If they didn't participate, they were left outside of what God said they were going to do. He said, I'm going to do this. But if you don't participate, you're outside of what I'm going to do. So it wasn't some big sovereign act of God and God's going to do what God's going to do. That's the bunch of, biggest bunch of baloney in the world. It neuters us. It's a, it's a lie of the devil to strip the church of its power and to strip the believer from his growth, his or her growth and dominion that God has given us. We're called to press into these things. We're called to go to new levels. Big teaching. When God's going to shift things over your life and you begin to believe God for things over your life that he's going to shift the government, he's going to say, I'm going to do it. But he may show you a few barriers along the way. In order for me to shift this, Kevin, you're going to have to deal with this because this is a roadblock. So you and I are going to have to deal with this. In order for me to give you that spiritual upgrade, Passover, you're believing me for a new upgrade. He'll upgrade me all through the year. But he gives me, he'll give me a whole new operating system at, at, at Passover. Why? Because he said he would. He said he would. I have an appointment with you. I'll do it. Do you want it? You're not a spectator, Christian. We're participants. We get to. You realize that? Jesus, the king of glory, you get to participate with him? What an honor. What an honor. So I believe that new assignments are going to be given this year. Do you have the faith for it? I believe that restoration is going to be given. I believe that renewal is going to happen. And I believe that God is going to awaken a new beginning. The Jews related Rosh Hashanah a lot with conception and birth. Isn't that interesting? They relate it with conception and birth. You conceive something or you're going to give birth to something <laughs> at Rosh Hashanah. Amen. Jesus put something in me. Lord, bring out of me what you intended to bring out of me. People, yes, Lord. People need to be reminded. We have to be reminded. That's why God puts this stuff on. Any, and I'm, look, I'm, I'm married. I got to be reminded. I almost got to put a reminder on my phone, my anniversary, right? Wife's birthday. Don't forget. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, it's two weeks away. Yeah, I need, it. I need that. I, need, I, I have to have that. We've, we've, uh, we have a tradition in our house. We don't have birthday. birthday. We have birthday week. Yeah. Because it puts too much pressure on that day. And so we have birthday week. And guess what? We, we, this is how big it is. If we miss birthday week, we have birthday month. Anytime within the next 30 days, we will celebrate your birthday at the time and place of your choosing. <laughs> That's right. It took a lot of pressure off the relationship when that happened. A lot of pressure. Exactly. Birthday month. I highly recommend it. <laughs> 
you missed the birthday. We're like, well, it's birthday week, you know. I believe this. I believe God's speaking a word over us. 2021. I want you to say it with me. This is the word at Rosh Hashanah. This is coming into your life, Christian. Say this. Extraordinary. Miracles. Signs. Wonders. And destinies that will testify of the goodness and the greatness of my God. And what you do is say this. My faith says this year. That's right. I believe God is going to do extraordinary signs, wonders, miracles. He's going to upgrade destinies. And all of that is going to testify of how good he is to you and how great he is to you and through you. I believe it. Second Corinthians says, if anyone's in Christ, old things pass away. Everything comes new. It's not a one time event. It's not once, you know, like, oh, I'm born again. Everything passed away. Now everything's old again. No, 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 no. You have renewal power. You have regenerative power. You have resurrection power. That's what we carry. Just so you can, you can bring newness into your life anytime because you carry that power. You want something new, Lord, make it. His mercies are new every morning, right? Every morning. God's got something new for you. Who told you it had to be old? Who told you it had to get stale? The only time it's getting stale is if you choose to eat stale bread. You want more of Jesus? Give him more of you. Commute with him. Give, re release more of him. Come to him. God's got something new for you. Doesn't have to get old. Doesn't have to get old. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 20 years old. Fully. I was like the little, you know, received Jesus as a child, but my whole, basically, a life up until that point, I had never lived for him. I, but I, and I went all in at 19, thinking I wasn't, I, maybe if this doesn't work out, I'll back out. <laughs> I went all in. And I said, I'm going to go all in for 10 years. I was even kind of like at five. So I'm going to give myself to all of this. And if this doesn't work out, well, I'm still young enough. I'll figure something else out. But it never, it worked out. It wasn't just the relationship thing. I knew Christ was real in me. But what I was looking for was the kingdom, right? And I was very, very ignorant of that because no one around me knew it. Nobody could teach me this. Nobody. I'm looking and everyone's like, ah, ah. I'm looking to leaders and I'm asking them questions that they can't answer. I'm asking them to show me things that they have no clue about even what I'm asking. And it became apparent to me, like Jesus told Nicodemus, are you a teacher of Israel and you don't know this? You cannot teach them about a kingdom that you are not aware of? And so I spent my life, ups, downs, lefts, rights, up, all kinds, starts and stops, trying to learn from the Lord the way it works. And he shows me. He's shown me. And God has got something good for you, and I am absolutely certain of it. I'm absolutely certain of it. How can I walk into that guy's house and know that he's going to get healed? How, I didn't know he was going to get fully healed. I'm like, I, I'm believing God he's going to fully heal. But I know he's going to do something. I know God's going to do something. How do I know? Because I know. Because he showed me it works like this. It will work like this. Do it like this. That's right. He was showing me stuff last night. I was telling my wife. He was just showing me all this stuff. I was, out, I was just sitting there talking to him. I felt like he was just showing me. Kevin, it works like this. And you know what I realized? How stupid we are as a church. I'm like, Lord, you know, we're, we're like out to lunch. If it works this way, none of this is taught, expounded upon, or instructed. Because we're dull. We, we bind ourselves to foolish traditions. We bind ourselves to what is comfortable to our own experience. And we never see kingdom. I'm like, I don't care. I want kingdom. 
I don't care. You can take it all away. Jesus has promised me the kingdom. I want the kingdom. You're like, what's the kingdom look like? I don't really know, <laughs> but I want it. If Jesus said it's there, fear not, little ones, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, that that's what I want. And I believe that God is going to do that. It's the ruling reign, the dominion of God in your life. Jesus is the perfect ruler. That's who you want. Jesus is the perfect Lord. I don't want to be ruled by circumstances. I want to be ruled by Jesus. I don't want to be ruled by an earthly government. I want to be ruled by a heavenly government. Heaven's never been broke. Righteous have never been forsaken. The seed, their seed has never begged for bread. Provision in season and out. Christian, where's your faith? Amen. I believe you're going to experience a lot of firsts this year. Say it. It's going to be a year of firsts. Right. Some of you, it's going to be for the first time you're going to see a breakthrough. It's going to be the first time that you take that step. It's going to be the first time you experience that upgrade. You're going to experience a lot of firsts with the Lord this year. I believe it. There's going to be a lot of open doors this year. We're going to talk about that, hopefully, if I can get there. I'm working on it. It might be the first time you ever read or listened to Scripture. That might be your first. Give yourself to a first. Get the audio Bible. Just play it and drive. You commute an hour to work. Eh? Put a little worship on if you need it. But just put on, you know, it's like, well, I don't know. I don't understand it. I tell people this all the time. The Bible is intended to be taught. It's intended to be taught. We're, it's in, God intended that word to be developed within community and within relationship. It's, it doesn't make any sense. It's just, it's just words on a page. It's a letter. The Spirit gives life. The instruction is what illuminates the Word. The Word is interconnected. It is an interconnected fiber. The Bible interprets itself. You don't have to look outside for interpretation. Scripture always interprets Scripture. Always. Always. Listen to it. You say, I don't understand it. That's no excuse. Say it. I'm giving up my excuses. No excuses. Try it. It doesn't matter if you understand it. Do it anyway. Put the word in you and believe God to show you what it means. Just listen to it. I mean, we, this generation, we have no excuse. They never had, they didn't have audio Bibles in the first century, right? I mean, you can, you, can, you can listen to it with the sound of seagulls. And Jesus was walking by the seashore. And you'll hear lapping waves in the background and seagulls if you want to. I mean, you have every type of version. We have multiple translations, multiple ways of framing the word. They're all from the original. They're just different ways of presenting it and understanding. Find something. Listen to it. Get the word in you. You don't have to understand it. God will bring the understanding. This might be a first to you. Commit yourself to prayer. Start seeking the Lord. Say, I don't know how to pray. Come on prayer. If you come on, we have an intercessory prayer every Thursday night. And you, my wife and I were talking about how we've seen people develop and they're like freaking warriors now that when they started praying, they, could, they, were, they didn't even want to pray at all. And then they started to pray. And now about a year in after listening to the cadence and the sounds of prayer, they're like bringing it like a truck. Yeah, it's more than one. You don't know how to pray. Just come on prayer and listen to prayer. Listen to the cadence of prayer. Listen to the demonstration of faith. You're going to hear different people praying in different ways, and you're going to go, oh, I can pray like that. Well, of course you can, right? You're going to get the fire, and you're going to get the water, right? Someone's going to pray really calm, but they're going to say really powerful things. Father, I just declare right now 
that all the oppression comes off your people. You know, you're going to, whatever. You're going to hear different things in different tones and different cadences. But you will learn to pray through praying. You will learn to pray through listening to other people. If you listen to the voice of, we pray by faith. So you come on to intercessory prayer. All you got to do is just put it on your phone. We, we did it on the way home. We got stuck somewhere and, and Sherry's like, we got to do intercessory prayer. I'm like, well, we're driving down the road. She's got prayer on. You can drive, you can listen to prayer on your way home from work every Thursday. Just put it on audio. Listen to us pray. Then send an email. Say, hey, I think I'd like to get in on that. Hey, come on down. It's a system of firsts, man. Get involved. Become a person of prayer. Become a person of that. Make it your first. I'll give you one. Give the full tithe. <gasps> I knew it. I knew it was coming. I knew it. Everything God has designed is for your good. Your flesh hates it. Hates it. So in the Old Testament, they were under the law of Moses. In the New Testament, we're under the law of the Spirit. Hmm? What lawlessness is, is when you're ruled by your flesh. We're never allowed to be lawless. Lawlessness is, is when you let your flesh rule you. We're called to be under, at this at least, the moral law, the constraints of the moral law of Moses, which is outward disciplines if we have to. But really where we're called to be is in the law of the Spirit. There's life in Christ Jesus. We're called to be and live through and by the Holy Spirit, forcing and crucifying our flesh and shoving that person into the spirit and kicking him in the rear end and dropping an elbow smash to my flesh and say, you will do this. You will do this. I don't feel like it. I don't care if you feel like it. Do it anyway. Do it anyway. Three out of four times. Two out of four times. Can you do it half the time? Can you win the battle 50% of the time? We're winning. Right? Right? You're winning. Heck, you can make the playoffs if you're an NBA team that just wins half your games. You're in the playoffs. Right? <laughs> win the battle, Christian. When you are ruled by your flesh, you need to understand that when you do what your carnality wants, it's lawless. And God has never called you to be lawless. And what that lawlessness does is it produces corruption. So if you understand that, then push yourself into the law of the Spirit. Every single thing. Who wants to read their Bible? I don't wake up in the morning going, yay, Jesus, let me read my Bible. After I kick myself in the rear end and I force myself into these things, exactly, I make myself, that's right, read your Bible. Kevin, go seek the Lord. I want coffee. I don't want to seek the Lord. I want coffee. Okay, now what's your excuse? Uh, I'm hungry. <laughs> Not every day, but I do have those days. And so do you, if you're honest. Oh, we like to pretend, particularly as pastors, that we just soar in the high clouds of the Spirit at all times. At all times, I am flying in the trajectory of the holy mountain of God. I'm in a glory bubble always, always. That's not true. I have to work it out just like you, and so does everybody else. But once I get into that place and I meet with the Lord and the Lord starts moving, I'm like, what was my problem? What was my problem? Then I don't want to leave. I want to sit there all day. I want to be with him all day. Once I get to that place, it's the fight getting to that place. Your flesh fights it, Christian. Anything your flesh doesn't want to do, you need to know you should do the opposite. 
If your flesh doesn't want to give, you need to give. If your flesh doesn't want to come to church, you need to come to church. Right? The will of the Spirit always. But anything your flesh wants to do, do the opposite. <laughs> Commit to church. That's a first. And go all in with Jesus. Some of you, like you've been coming and it's wonderful and you're, you're following the Lord. But go all in. Take another step. Take, go a little further. Go all in. Go all in. Here's one. Start inviting people or telling people about Jesus. Come to worship. Lift your hands. Let it be a year of first. These are the five disciplines or the, five, the radical five. Read your Bible. Pray. Come in and connect to church. Financially give and live on mission. Take a step into one of those areas. Take a step into two of those areas. Take a step into three of those areas. You want destiny? Get all five of them working in your life. When I learned that my destiny is related to all five of these, I said all five of those are going to function if it kills me. I'm not going to disqualify myself from my destiny by being unfaithful in the little things that God has commanded me to do. That's what disqualifies you from destiny. You're not disqualified from heaven, but faith, unfaithfulness is what disqualifies you from destiny. And unfaithfulness is consistency over time. It doesn't mean you don't make mistakes. There's plenty of room for mistakes. Plenty of room. That's why we have grace, spiritual power enabling us. Open doors of opportunity. So, you, and so they, I want you to say this. I have a choice. Come on. I have a choice <laughs> to live ordinary or to choose to live extraordinary, which is my calling. That's right. You're called to live extraordinary. We're a peculiar people. We're called out of darkness into light. We're supposed to be extraordinary. You might be simple, but you can be extraordinary. Right? Doesn't mean you're extravagant. You're just extraordinary. You stand out. You're special. There's something different about you. That's what God has called us to be is that. We have to prepare ourselves for that. We have to get ready for that. Everybody say it with me. Get ready. So here's what I felt like the Lord told me a few months ago, so I'm going to just bring it back, is expectation. You have to have expectation. We want God to do something great in our life this year, starting tomorrow, right? We want, to, we want that governmental shift. We want to have expectation. What I want you to do is I want you to believe God for three areas of your life or three specific things that he wants you to expect him for. Right? So what you're going to do, you're going to ask the Lord, Lord, where do you want me to place expectation this year? Don't sort of mind. The high end of it is that. The low end is like where you're kind of mining your selfish desires. That's okay. Lord, I want a Ferrari. Whatever. I don't know. That's my expectation. Let the Lord tell you what the expectation is. Let him tell you. I want you to believe me that your mother will come to Christ this year. Let him tell you. And you'll be like, what? Where'd that come from? Well, the Lord just told you. This is the expectation. I want you to believe me that I give you a job upgrade. I want you to believe me that all of this, all of this nonsense that you've been dealing with is going to change this year. He'll tell you what he wants you to expect him for. He'll tell you. You cannot have to do three. You can do two. Three's an easy number. Do three. Write it down. Have expectation. Put, say with me, put faith on it. Put, say with me, without faith. <laughs> It's impossible to please God. So we all want to please God. Eh? So we need to put faith on something. We need to believe him for something. Faith isn't just, I believe Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and he's risen from the dead. That's not just, that's elementary faith. Faith is believing God for what? Believing that, believing for he who comes to him must believe who he is. Who is he? He's good. He's gracious. He's kind. He's just. He's Lord. He's Father. Right? And that he will reward those who seek him. So God is inviting you into a relationship to discover who he is 
And he's inviting you into a relationship by which he will reward you. He's inviting you. Question is, will you come? What do you believe in God for? You can eat, like, I'll give you, I'll show you how to do it. Like, if you have a business, you can literally put the business in front of him and say, Lord, I give you permission to give me an expectation as it relates to my business. And he'll tell you, believe me for that. Put your family out there. Lord, I put my family in front of you. I'm asking you to give me an expectation as it relates to my family. He'll tell you. You could go generic. Me, I just want to see what he would tell me. I just threw it out there. And he told me things that I completely was not in my framework at all. I mean, they're hugely necessary, but they're towards the heart of God. Towards the heart of God. Right? Yeah, powerful stuff. You can throw out your future. Lord, as far as my future, I want you to give me an expectation. I'm giving you permission to give me an expectation as it relates to my future. He'll give it to you. Where's your faith? Everybody say it with me. Write it down. See, there are people here that are thinking, oh, I don't need to write it down. Nah, it's all right. I don't need to write that down. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. If you don't write it down, the, sharp, the dullest pencil is greater than the sharpest mind. You will forget it. Write it down. Get yourself a little pad. Get yourself a little notebook. Write down three expectations and stick it on your refrigerator. And as God gives you those expectations, write them down. Do you know why your refrigerator? Because you're, the only other place you're going to see that more is in your bathroom. But you go to your bath, you go to your refrigerator three times more than you go to the bathroom. And so you're going to see that on your refrigerator expectation. And if you have no expectations, just begin every time you see it. Ask the Lord for the expectation. Lord, I'm believing you for an expectation and just pause and let him give you something. You know, just give him a moment, you know, and let him give you something. Be specific. Take an area of your life. Write it down, Christian. If you don't write it down, forget it. Forget it. You may as well write it off if you don't write it down. Actually, that's really good. If you don't write it down, you may as well write it off because it's not going to happen. And then you put it on your refrigerator. And you know what you do? You just put your hand on it. This is what I do. Just put my hand on it. Father, I just thank you that you are going to meet these expectations. I thank you by faith, Lord, that you're going to do what I cannot do. I just do something simple. All I'm doing is extending faith over what God said. I don't go into like this holy prayer and take it into my prayer closet and into the bathroom and put the shower curtain over me and travail over it daily or weekly. I put my hand on it and I extend my hand by faith. And I say, Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for the expectation that you have given. Jesus will back up what he says. If he says, believe God, that this is going to happen. Kevin, I want you to believe me that this is going to happen. I want you to believe me. He intends to back up what he tells you. What he needs you to do is partner with him by faith. Eh? Some of you, it may come into an area where God's telling you, going like, Lord, what is he telling me? I want you to believe me for a financial upgrade. You're faithful, but, you'd have, but you do, you're, fa you're diligent. A lot of Christians are diligent, but they believe God for nothing. He's going to tell you, I want you to believe me that I'm going to upgrade your household financially. And you'll say, great, let's do that. And as you're praying, the Lord will say, so in order for me to upgrade your house financially, I need you to do these things. And he will instruct you if you'll listen to him. This isn't religion. This is relationship. This person I was dealing with yesterday, I told this woman, I said, religion didn't come into your household today. I said, kingdom came into your household today. 
I said, your, what? your husband sits there, this guy sits here, this is what's happening in this house. Not because religion walked in your door. I said, kingdom walked in your door. And not because it was me, but I carry the kingdom. And that's the only thing I want to carry. <laughs> Jesus in my heart, the spirit upon me in flaming in fire, and the kingdom coming forth from my life. My single and sole ambition. I have no other ambition because all things come from the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom and all things will come to you. All things will be added. Is that a poem? That's a promise. That's a promise. Write it down, Christian. I cannot be more emphatic about that. Write it down. Even if it's a blank piece of paper, put it on the fridge and remind yourself. You guys, some of you moms, you struggle with your kids. Some of you moms, you struggle with your grandkids. You can look at it and say, Lord, give me an expectation for my son this year. And then let it alone. You might be driving down the car and the Lord will say to you, I want you to believe me that your son will leave worldliness and will follow me fully. fully. And then you go, that my son will leave worldliness and follow you fully. And you put your hand on it and every time you're going to get a glass of water or a glass of milk, Father, I just thank you by faith for that expectation that my son will leave worldliness and will walk with you fully. And watch him change it. Watch him change it. He'll back up what he says. He'll back it up. He needs faith, Christian. Faith is the bridge from his world to yours. That's right. Faith is the bridge. Faith is the currency of heaven. Heaven does not operate by human need. Heaven operates by faith. The Lord trades in faith. That's what he does. He operates and trades in faith. And if you don't have faith, you know what he does? He lets you borrow his. Have the faith of God. What? If your measure of faith that Romans says, God's your faith, all faith comes from God, the measure itself. But if your faith isn't enough, you say, Lord, I need to borrow some of yours. He'll say, how much do you need? I'm like, how much are you going to give me? And he'll tell you more than you can carry, Kevin. And he'll give it to you. You can borrow the faith of God. There's no excuse to be faithless. None. Have faith, Christian. Believe God for something. Believe God for something significant. Believe God for something great. You have to believe it's his, it's his intention to bless you. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of his heart. What does it mean? As you work with me and you celebrate with me, I'll give you what I put in your heart. He sires the desire. The desire doesn't come from you. The desire comes from him. And he will give you the desire that he sires. That's what it means. That's what that means. The desires of my heart. Well, I'm believing God that I'm going to live in Beverly Hills and I'm going to this and I'm going to that. That's most of our desires. Well, God hasn't given me that desire yet, but I'm still believing. And why don't you ask him to put a desire in your heart and from that desire begin to believe him from there. God will give you the desires that he sires through that communion. Just a challenge. The Lord God did not cause it to rain upon the earth because no one was working the ground. Some of you, you want the reign of heaven. You want the power of God. You want the glory coming over you. Work the ground. The heavens fall rain, the Bible says, when his people work the ground. What does that look like? Prayer, communion, fellowship, worship, doing what he tells you to do. Do what he tells you to do. <laughs> Dreams come about with a lot of dirt on it, man. You got to work. You got to sweat. Right? I have a dream to be married. 
The dream is granted. I have a dream that we're going to have a blissful marriage. I got a four letter word for you. It's called work. That blissful marriage doesn't come without work. <laughs> you got to work the ground. <laughs> so that's the first one is expectation. You want to shift expectation. Say it again. I'm going to make you. You guys are going to do this. You know why? I believe, God, that by this time next summer, the testimonies are going to come in. And I believe that people within 12 months are going to come in with this paper, with the paper that they put on the refrigerator and say, I got two out of three. And that ain't bad. You're going to go, well, you didn't get all three. And then I'd say to the person who did nothing, well, what did you get? Nothing. Nothing. I guarantee you he'll give you all three. It's just he needs a little more time. The eternal God limits himself and works through time and space. That's another story. Write it down. I believe God has every intention of doing it. And I believe that if you will do it, God will, you will make it a habit. And you will see areas of your life shift again and again and again and again. Because you will learn how to put faith on something. And you will learn how to hear his expectation. And you will learn. It's simple. It's not difficult. Second one is examination. <gasps> hold the chair. Everybody say, hold the chair. Hold the chair. Just grab onto the chair. It's going to be all right. This might be a little painful, but if it hurts too bad, Jesus will heal you. It's all right. We have to examine ourselves. It's one thing to have expectation. It's another thing to have examination. We have to examine ourselves. Is there anything in your life, Christian, that would prevent you from experiencing these firsts? Is there anything in your life, Christian, that would hold back this expectation? Is there anything in your life, Christian, that would keep you from walking through the doors that God has for you? Is there fear, uncertainty, fear of men? I'll give you some practical ones. Now I'm going to sit on the couch with you. Somebody give me some Doritos. I'm not the devil. The devil's already kicked him out. So now I'll take those Doritos and I'll eat them and I'll talk to you a little bit. If you're living with your boyfriend or girlfriend, it's time to get married or move on. <gasps> I got two people jolting. I got the person that's living with their boyfriend or girlfriend that's not married. And then I got other Christians thinking, Christians would never do that. Really? Really? Doesn't, doesn't condemn you. Definitely corrupts you, but it doesn't condemn you. It's time. If you want God to do something, it's time to reconcile the things unto the Lord. It's time. It's time. Here's another one. Well, the Bible says this, Acts 17. These times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands repentance. He overlooks ignorance. It's like, okay, you didn't know any better. Okay, you're in a mess. You created a mess. You didn't know how you did it. You, didn't, you don't even know how to get out of it. I'm overlooking the ignorance. I'm going to overlook that. But now that you do know, I need you to believe me, and I need you to repent. I need you to shift. I need you to change. Ignorance God overlooks, but he commands repentance. Some of you, you want a financial miracle, but you won't tithe. That will keep you from your financial miracle, I can assure you. Not survival, but success and significance. God will take care of your survival. Or, here's another one. You tithe, but you don't put faith on your giving. Put faith on that giving. God says, prove me. Test me. What? If I open up the windows of heaven, put faith on it. You know how many times I brought that to the Lord? Father, we give. I command the windows of heaven to be open, and I command this blessing to be poured out. In what area? Financially, emotionally, physically, wherever I need. The window of heaven is I have access to it because I tithe. 
It's mine. I can't, it, that heaven's window will not be denied to me if I will call for it. It's mine by right. That's mine by promise in obedience to that promise. And I'll pour you out a blessing so much that you won't have room to conceive or receive. And he says, your fruit will not cast forth its fr before its time. In other words, what you have is not going to go away. No one's going to take it from you. All the raiding and the stealing and the corruption and the destruction in your life is going to stop. That's his promise. That's his promise. I felt like God was telling me about something. And he was dealing with me. And he's like, are you going to accept that loss, Kevin? <laughs> like, you're going to accept, I was sitting, I was talking to him. And he's like, you're going to accept that. I was thinking about some stuff and I was praying about a couple of things and just trying to understand. And he was explaining something to me. And then he challenged me and he said, are you going to accept that loss? And I was like, no. And he's like, that was taken from you. And I was like, okay. So the verse came to me. And, you know, if a thief is found out, they must restore. Anybody know the verse? Sevenfold, right? So if someone steals from you as a believer and that's discovered, the restoration promises seven times what was taken. But there's also windows in there. And I felt like the Lord was telling me, why not ten times? Why not a hundred times? Why not you demand a repayment upon what was taken from you to such a degree that the enemy will never mess with you again? Oh. Put a demand on it, man. Well, the devil keeps messing with you because you never make him pay the price. Make him pay the price by faith in the name of Jesus. I call forth seven, ten, and a hundredfold of every single thing that was taken from me. Right. In every arena. Where's your faith? Where's your faith? Come on. <laughs> Let's be a warrior culture. Let's reap the spoils that Jesus died for. That's so you mean by tired of the devil messing with you? Huh? So if you deal with your own, you're, you mess with you more than the devil does. Let's just be clear. You're more of a problem than he is. So once we get deal with you, then the devil, we're going to deal with the devil because we're going to make him pay a price. He's not touching nothing. He's going to pay the price for it. You touch me, he's going to look at me and go, no, not that guy. Not that guy. Oh, no, we tried that. that. That guy, no, we're not going to do that again. Not that guy. Put faith on your giving, Christian. Everybody say it with me. Put faith on it. When you give, believe God for something. Believe him every single time. And you say, I don't know anything. Well, then just keep giving and ask the Lord, what do you want me to believe before with this? What window do you want to open in my life as it relates to this? He'll, open, he'll say, I want, you, I want to open this window. I want to put a flood in your life. I want to feel, I want to do these things. He'll tell you what he wants to do. Believe God, it, believe God to change your life. This is some, these are some things. Examine, but you can't come to church. There are Christians that go, Lord, I want you to change my life. But they won't show up church consistently. It's, say it with me, in and through the church. Jesus does nothing unless it's in and through the church. What he does in your individual life is minuscule compared to what he does within the corporate context. This matters to him. Everything God does, he does in and through the church. What God's going to do in your life, he's going to come, you're going to come, and you won't get the word anywhere else, and all of a sudden I'm going to say something that makes no sense to anybody else, but you're going to go, boom, wow, that was for me. That was God instructing me. That was God telling me. That was God changing me because it comes in and through the church, in and through the church. It's important to know that. So believe God to change your life. Again, believe God to change everything. I tell, you know what? You want to do something really cool? Believe God when you come to church that Jesus has a word for you. 
You wonder why I say all these off-color things? Because I'm not reading from a script. I'm reading from notes. Is because someone is pulling on the Spirit and asking the Lord for something. Or someone has an expectation, and I feel that pull, and I'm like, I have no idea. Well, I know, but I have no idea why I'm saying that. But that's for someone, because someone is pulling on that. Believe God. Right? I'm not scripted. I go off script all the time. Not intentionally. I try to keep it in time. I try to keep it in script. But that's the point, is that that's what enables the Holy Spirit to speak to you in this context. He may speak to you through, this, through, through the scriptures or through the teaching itself, or he may have something specifically designed for you because you've been seeking him for it. You've been asking him for it. Or we have a ministry team, a prayer team, a prophetic team, and even if it doesn't come from the front end, it might come from the side. Right? So you might go to prayer and somebody might say, I have a word for you. Boom, there it is. They may pray over you in a way that's like, whoa, that's exactly what I needed in and through the church. Paul said, I long to be with you that I might impart something spiritual. The gathering is the place of impartation. The gathering is the place where the spiritual stuff happens. That's what it's supposed to be. That's what it's, I'm not saying that's what happens everywhere. That's what we strive to achieve here <laughs> imperfectly. But nonetheless, that's what we're trying to do is give Jesus what he wants. Before Jesus, say this with me, before Jesus changes every, anything, he changes me first. Before he does anything, he works on me. That's right. He doesn't have a problem. He'll change your marriage, but he's going to go you first. He doesn't have a problem. He'll change your finances, but he's going to go you first. He doesn't have a problem. He'll change your destiny, but he'll tell you you first. He'll deal with you on the barriers that are preventing you from getting where God has called you to go. It, say this with me. He doesn't tell me to shame me. He doesn't tell me to point out my weakness. This isn't why he's telling you. Right? He's telling you because it's a barrier. The heart of the Lord is always about barriers to the relationship. He's always wanting to remove the barriers to the relationship or the barriers to your purpose and your calling. That's his heart. And so he'll show you and he'll say, I can't do that for you. I can do that with you but I can't do that for you. And you can't do it without me. So, ready? Let's just get raw. <laughs> like, really? Are we gonna get raw? So, like, let's just say you have the fear of men. So God shows you the fear of men. Well, you ask him, say, Lord, what is the barrier to my destiny? Lord, this is the thing I want you to believe me for. It. And then he starts telling you, we gotta deal, you have a fear of people. You have a fear of men. I'll show you. And you're like, oh, no, I fear men. Then you're like, ask the Lord. You can't get anybody here any good. Get, you can't get rid of the fear of men. You, you just can't. You can act like it. You know, you can perform even. But the fear of men is always there. But God will help you to completely remove the fear of people and the fear of the of opinions. He'll help you to remove the, the opinion you have of yourself. You can't do it by yourself and he can't do it without you. But he'll do it with you. Amen. It's who he is. Before he changes anything, he changes you. The third part is preparation. You got to get rid of the old and prepare for the new. Do what's required for the expectation. So I'm telling you, like when you believe in God, and you're expecting him. Do the examination. And the Lord's like, look, we need to clean out some closets here, man. We need to, we need to get some of the weight off this wagon so I can put new stuff on it. And God wants to do this for you. I want you to say this with me. You have to, so, what, so you have to have expectation, you have to have examination, and you have to be prepared. What do you believe in God for? Get ready for it. Get ready for it. 
Ready? Okay. So like I love business. So like what I come from, I love business and I'm a, and I always struggled like, oh, I'm not and the Lord's like, you're about my business. You're in your father's business. I always had this conflict about how I felt like I was like made, you know, like the gift set, the skill sets, one thing. But then there's this other side of me that like goes this way. And the Lord said, and I had this struggle and the Lord's like, there's no struggle, Kevin. It's your father's business. And I was like, it's my father's business. I can combine the two. Happy day, right? And so when I was in business, there was a saying that used to say, we used to say, and it would go something like this. So say it with me. There's no such thing as luck. It's called ready. No such thing as luck, Christian. It's called ready. God will give you opportunities and he will pass them in front of you. But if you are not ready to take that opportunity, that opportunity will pass. And he'll bring another one. It'll be similar, but it'll be different. But if you're not ready for that one, it'll go by you too. You could be, if you're not ready, you have to be ready to get, to lay into what God is bringing before you. What is that? I don't know. I don't know what you're believing him for. I don't know. Some things you may, he's going to tell you. You may ask him if you were commune with him, he'll show you, Lord, how do I get ready for that? Here's a couple of simple ones. These are personal character. How do you get ready for what God wants to do? You align your heart with God's heart. That's character. Biblical character is my heart is his heart. My life is his life. That's my character. My character lines up with him. I follow Jesus. It doesn't mean I'm perfect. It doesn't mean I do everything right. But the overall direction and the overall intention of my heart is that. That's character. Consistency means, fat, means steady as she goes. Say it with me. Consistency. Come on. Consistency <laughs> means forward. Right. Means forward. You're consistent. You're faithful over time. Doesn't mean you don't stop ever occasionally and take a little breather, but it means you're consistent over time. That's what faithfulness means. You're consistent. And then commitment. Commitment means you don't quit. So if God's going to examine you, he's going to weigh you. He wants to give you something great. He wants to know, does your heart and my life align with me? Not religiously, relationally. Are you consistent in the things I've told you to do? Kevin, if I look at your life and I scale you, can I consistently see that you do what I tell you to do? Can I consistently see that you follow me? It's, you say, sometimes following Jesus is mundane. Yes, it's mundane, but it leads to the greater things. God has to see the consistency in my life in order to bring me to the next place. And then commitment. God will test your commitment. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is weak. The question is, is do you get up and go again? Or do you cry and give up the game and put it away? All right. That's the question. Get up and go again. Get up and go again. Don't take no for an answer. Don't stop until you succeed. Don't stop until you get there. Deal with anything. Move forward. That's what it's about. That's what God will do. So if you want to get ready personally, those are three easy personal areas. There may be some external things that get personally. I have to say this with people all the time. You're believing God for a million dollar business. I'm with you. I'll put my faith on that. But can your business currently handle that volume? If God was to give you a million dollars in volume next week, are you structured? Are you scaled? Do you have a plan to even receive that level of business? That's the question. Believe God, put a plan together and scale, ready to scale so that when God does do that, you're ready to implement a plan. That's just a thought. And lastly, this is a cool one, celebration. 
You celebrate. You give God thanks before it ever happens. Let him give you the expectation. Let him give you the examination. Don't sit there and start digging into your soul and try to find all these things. Okay, deal with the obvious. Let God examine you. David said, Lord, search me and know me. Lord, I give you permission to search me and know me. Let God show you, right? And then preparation. Get ready for what God is going to do. Celebration is is that you're thanking him beforehand because he intends to do it. So I was telling you about like when you're praying for the thing on the refrigerator. Father, I thank you. You're celebrating before it comes. You thank God in advance. Mark eleven twenty four. 24. When you pray and you ask for something, believe before you receive. Everybody say it with me. Believe before I receive. That's right. And it will be given to you. So we give him. And one of the ways we demonstrate belief is by thanking him. Lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge the Lord. The Bible says this, and with thanksgiving, make your petitions and requests known. Why is thanksgiving before your petition? Father, I thank you that you're going to do what we ask you to do. I thank you, God, that you've said this. This is what you're going to do. I thank you for this expectation. I thank you that you're going to bring it to pass. It's just thankfulness. You have to open your mouth. So here's the deal. We're used to a certain culture. We're used to a certain world. God's world is not like this world. It's not. God's world is where you actually vocalize. You actually speak to the air. I was walking into the church this morning and Raul saw me and he goes, who are you talking to? I said, well, you're crazy if you don't talk to yourself, Raul. But I was just talking to the Lord about something as I'm walking down the street, right? And so it's like, he's like, hey, man, who are you talking to? And I was like, oh, you know, Jesus. But <laughs> so I was working through something. But you believe God in advance. God's kingdom looks like that. It looks like you vocalize it. It looks like you put something on the, 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 the refrigerator and you're putting your hand on it and you're believing him. It looks like, say it with me, open my mouth. That's right. Say it. Thank you, Father, that you're going to do what you said you're going to do. Open your mouth. That's not your culture, but it's his culture. That's not your world, but it is his world. And you, be, you become acclimated to his world. And then you start to begin to maneuver in his world. Let me tell you, his world's more beautiful than the one that we're in. I, I was so awkward and so out of touch and out of sorts, even when I started moving in the spirit and these different places, because it felt very unnatural to me, like emotionally or just even physically. Spiritually, I was like, well, this is interesting. But my mind was like, what in the world's going on here? It felt awkward to me. But as I began to develop myself there, I began, that, became, that became more of a natural environment to me. When I began to do the things that God asked me to do, it becomes more of a natural expression. It's not natural for us to lift up our hands. But, it's not, but when you start doing that, it be, it's his world. He says do it. Lift your voice, lift your heart, whatever he's saying to do. That's not necessarily natural to us because it's not our world, but it is his world. And we learn his world. We learn his ways. We follow what he wants. And so to open up your mouth and say, thank you, Lord, in advance, makes no conscious sense. You don't even feel like you want to say anything. You're afraid somebody's going to see you walking down the street talking to yourself. And thinking, what happened to the pastor? You know, just get him a shopping cart. Then he can really talk to himself. You know, it's kind of like, (laughs) that's not funny. Anyway. All right, so let's, we're going to say a prayer. We're going to say a quick prayer. Somebody said this. I just wrote this down. 
If the Lord tells you to go after Moby Dick, get, bring some tartar sauce. <laughs> Whatever he tells you he's going to do, he's going to do it. He's going to back up what he tells you. If he puts expectation on something and he tells you, believe me for that. I want you to trust me for that because I'm telling you I'm going to do it. If you'll, give, if you'll let him tell you what he's going to do, it's amazing. It's, it flips the script on everything. So rather than us seeking God, we seek the Lord for what he wants. Oh, my gosh. What do you want in my life? Kevin, I want this. Put faith on that. What do you want in my marriage? Kevin, I want this. Put faith on that. And instead of you trying to figure out this stuff all the time, he just begins to tell you. And he'll show you and he'll back it up. Matthew 9, according to your face, so be it on you. So we're going to say a prayer. You guys want to say a prayer? I got a prayer, prayer. If you stand on your feet, come on, come on. Say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We're going to pray. We're going to open our mouths. We're going to ask the Lord. We're going to invite the Lord into the things that we just talked about. So I just want you to pray with me. Holy Spirit, I open my heart for you to show me three areas of expectation for this kingdom new year. All things are possible to those who believe. And without faith, it is impossible to please you. So, Lord, I speak faith today. I believe you are good. And I believe you have good things for me. I believe you want to bring good things into my life and into this world through me this year. So I open my heart to those expectations and I give you permission to examine me, reveal to me any area of my life that interferes with my purpose and your purposes through me. I can trust you. What you show me is not for my harm or for my shame, but for my good. I set my heart in alignment with your character. Your character and what matters to you will matter to me. I set my heart with consistency. I will be faithful in the small things. I set my heart with commitment. I will not quit until what you have promised comes to pass. And I thank you in advance for everything you are doing and everything you are going to do in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Come on. Let me bless you. We have a prayer team available if you need prayer, encouragement in any way. And then let me bless you. Just open up your heart. Blessed in your coming in, Christian. Blessed in your going out. Your Father loves you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine down upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you in every way. And may he give you peace. And may you forever live within his favor. In Jesus' name. God loves you. We love you. Have a wonderful week. Through every battle, through every heartbreak, through every service.